Well, what happens when we bump into this thing, this painful thing that we call reality? It can feel overwhelming, but it's one of the key instrumental things that gets us started in this recovery journey toward lasting freedom. Today, we're going to talk about the effects of denial and having that reality check. Welcome to Celebrate Recovery Official, the podcast that shares life change stories, courage, hope, and leadership wisdom, all centered around the Celebrate Recovery principles that come from the Beatitudes, where Jesus tells us how to face our hurts, hangups, and habits, to live out freedom and the plan, the path that He died for us to live in our life. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with drugs and alcohol and perfectionism. My name is Rodney. I'm the global field director of Celebrate Recovery and welcome. So, so glad for you to join us again today. And as always, just thank you for for giving us a five-star rating and sharing this so that we can reach more people. It makes a difference and we're just grateful to you for helping us with that. Hey, today's topic, um, have a wonderful friend and a guest uh, joining me today. Uh, you know her as the Northeast Regional Director, Sheila. Sheila, thanks for being with us today. Yes, I'm glad to be here. Thank yeah. you for having me. Yeah, so glad to have a conversation. Why don't you introduce yourself and then we'll jump into a great combo. Hey, everybody. My name is Sheila, and I'm a grateful believer in Jesus who struggles with codependency, uh, the effects of past abuse, and most recently, uh, grief for the loss of my husband. And as Rodney said, I get to serve as their Northeast Regional Director for Celebrate Recovery. Amen. You do such a good job, Sheila. We're so grateful to have you on this team. So, Sheila, we're kind of talking about, hey, what are you? what's resonating in, in your headspace these days and just talking about... Uh, this uh, reality and kind of come into grips with reality. And, and in Celebrate Recovery, we talk about facing uh, the effects of denial. That can be a pretty hopeless and helpless place when we come to that that realization uh, uh, for us. What does that look like in Sheila's recovery? First off, how long you been in recovery now, Sheila? Um, since 1999. 1999. Yes. Wow. So we got a lot of years of experience here and wisdom and excited for our listeners to, to hear some of these nuggets from your heart. Um, mm-hmm. so what, what did that look like in Sheila's life? Kind of walking in, in the early phases of celebrate recovery or just recovery in general, uh, where you mm-hmm. began to face the effects of denial. Um, well, first off, I can actually say I didn't really know I was in denial. Um, <laughs> Which is usually but, the case, right? It, yes, exactly. But um, actually, the reality was that I was a mess. Um, I think you mentioned the words hopeless and helpless. Um, but my life was uh, really living in constant fear, worry, anxiety, shame, guilt, insecurity. You just you know, cycle those around, different day, different issue, um, you know, and I had, I really had everything the world had to offer, yet I had nothing. Um, there was no peace in my life, no serenity, no joy, um, and I can just remember going to my first recovery meeting, and it just happened to be a gratitude meeting, and I walked into that meeting, and I was just so far down and out that, you um, I couldn't think of one thing that I was grateful for. So 
Yeah. That is a helpless, hopeless place, isn't it? It was. That's a that's kind of a hard place when we can't even see anything good around us. That's that's pretty telling of my life is pretty un unmanageable right now and, and a mess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I ended up saying after hearing other people, I said, Well, I guess I'll just I'm grateful for this meeting. Uh that I'm <laughs> and I'm here today and that was it. That's what. That's all I had. Well, that's a good start for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, right. so we've seen uh, in the celibate recovery process, we talk about kind of the definition uh, of denial. As you're walking into this process, you, I'm, I'm guessing you probably came for a little while before you jumped into a what we call a step study small group, where we're working through the curriculum and a step study a small group, but. Uh, what when you finally jumped into a step study or did you jump in immediately uh, what was that like when you first came to that realization of the definition of what denial is and how that resonated with your heart what did that look like sheila um well i i somewhere along the line early on i i um i was given a definition of denial and I don't remember from who or where or what, but, um, and I still remember that today. Denial is a false sense of reality and a self-protecting behavior that kept me or keeps us as well from honestly facing the truth. Mm. So for years and years, I mean, I, I would, I would call myself the queen of denial because, uh, just in my marriage and everything, I just, I was just in denial of what was going on. I mean, there were things here and there that, you know, I thought, well, that, you know, that's not quite right, but it'll get better. You know mm. what I mean? And I just kept making excuses and, and whatever. Um, so, but yeah, yeah, it was, it was pretty rough. Yeah. And it, I think it's good to make space. I mean, for those that are listening that, you know, may, maybe kind of in the early stages of this process, there's good reasons. Doesn't mean they're right reasons, but good reasons why we might, fight tooth and nail to, to, to keep from facing the reality of what is sitting in front of us, because it can be, if we're being honest, recovery is hard and it can be painful to own what is causing havoc in our life to take that responsibility. Can it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I guess the first thing, you know, it was my marriage and my, my first husband and, um, you know, there are things that just weren't right, but I just kept on just because I didn't want to face that, you know, things were that bad. I just kept making excuses and saying, well, it'll get better. This next thing, you know, when we get done with this, then then it'll get better. It'll get better. And actually it just ended up getting worse. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And that can be really hard and, and defeating kind of speaks to what you're talking about, that helpless and hopeless place. So, so Sheila, when you started to kind of, you're kind of him hawing around trying to kind of, uh, almost wishful thinking this, this is going to get better. And it's not as bad as it, as it, it seems. And, and I can stop anytime or whatever the, the lies, the notions mm-hmm. that can kind of come up at what point that it just became, as we say that the pain had to become greater than the fear of change. <laughs> At what point did that become uh, big enough that, okay, 
it's time to stop ignoring this. Um, what is this I'm ignoring and, and why was it now time to, to face that? What, what did that look like for you? Um, well, I mean, exactly. I mean, the reality hit me square in the face. Um, and the truth came out that my husband, um, had had an affair with someone else. And, mm. um, so when all along I was just thinking it was going to get better, but it didn't. And so then I knew I had to do something yeah, different. So what did that look like, Sheila? Because, you know, we talk about breaking the effects of denial. How did you how did you begin coming out of denial? So you finally said, OK, it's time. And practically speaking, if someone's listening and wondering, what does that look like to actually get out of denial? What did that look like uh, for you to begin breaking down those walls? Um. Well, one, I knew that um, I just couldn't live. I mean, I I was really sick, and uh, I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, and I just knew I kind of had to get away from the situation uh, Mm. because it was an ongoing thing. And um, so I ended up leaving, and then it was I left him, and then several years later, um, I finally got into recovery, And so just working through that um, by working the principles and the steps, um, Mm. you know, I was able to get my life back. Yeah. Um, But even though, I mean, there were a lot of other things that happened in between there, too. Just a lot. Uh, I had a son who started using drugs and Mm. in high school and things like that. So there was just a lot of other things. But finally, finally, um, I had to do something different. And so that's, Mm. that's what happened. It's interesting when we talk about one of the letters and the acrostic that we cover in a step study is that energy lost. And just as you're, as you're kind of organizing that a little bit, I mean, you stopped eating, you're not sleeping. So you were, you lost energy from a spiritual standpoint, but, but it kind of, which is often the case, it kind of transitioned into the physical aspect. It was literally killing you from the inside out, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, I I remember waking up one morning and I thought, you know, uh, I just couldn't live in this. I couldn't live in this lie anymore. So I remember going to a church and I just went in there and I knelt down and I prayed to God that I needed to do something different. I needed I needed help, and um, I truly believe that it was him that helped me through that uh, because I I seriously was so far down that I I couldn't have done it on my own. Hmm. I, I know I couldn't have. Hmm. Yeah, so, so what did that look like just for our listeners? I mean, I'm sure there was some fear, some worry, you know, back to the good reasons why we would protect um, owning that and facing that reality. Mm-hmm. What were some of the kind of the self protection? Sometimes we look at that habit part of the, that flywheel of hurts, hangups, habits, and, you know, compulsive behaviors. But I like to think of the, what were the defenses and protections that you learned you were using in your arsenal to, to deal with it under your own power that you had to kind of break down? What were some of those protections that you would fall into that were destructive for you in your life? Um, I think I just stuffed it a lot. I think that was probably my biggest, my biggest thing was I would stuff it and pretend, like I said, I would just say, 
well, it'll get better because mm. there were all these circumstances going on. And I would think, oh, well, when we get through this, then things will change. Uh, he'll be a good husband and father then. Mm. And so time after time after time, I I would think that would happen. And then it didn't. So yeah. nothing changed. Yeah, that can be hard. And, and you know, we think about the hab, uh, excuse me, the hang up portion of that. I like to think of kind of what are those core beliefs that we believe about ourselves, that we believe about God, that we believe about our circumstances, even this uh, event that's happened that was pretty traumatic. Um, what were some of the those core beliefs that Sheila was believing uh, as a result of this really hard event with having a spouse that, you know, committed adultery and what, mm-hmm. you know, some of the lies that you were taking on that you later uh, through the power of Christ and relationships were able to kind of debunk the, those are lies. But what mm-hmm. were some of those lies that you were believing coming into the process? Yeah. Well, being codependent, I pretty much took all the blame on myself, you know, the codependency mm. part that, that if I would, if I would do things better, if I would do things differently, then things would change. Um, so that was probably one of the biggest is, um, just taking all the blame yeah. pretty much. What a cruel, what a cruel method the enemy uses, right? Through codependency and codependency is one of those tricky ones because as believers, aren't we supposed to love others at the expense of ourselves, right? But it, it doesn't say at the expense, it says love others as ourself. And sometimes that codependency through those core beliefs that you describe it, man, that's at the expense of yourself. That This is mine to own. If your behavior is X, that means that must be my fault and it's mine to carry. But what a cruel way the enemy kind of messes with us, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and the other thing, I, you know, when I married, I, you know, I believed in my vows and I, Mm. I didn't believe in divorce. You know what I'm saying? So I just thought I would do whatever it took to make it work Mm. until it didn't. Yeah. Until it didn't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to take a quick break right here, Sheila. And when we come back, I want to unpack that, um, kind of turn the corner a little bit on what that looked like as you began to, as you said, work the recovery principles and uh, as, as God was breaking those effects of denial uh, with some of the fruit that came out of, out of that. So stick with us. Uh, we're talking with Sheila, the Northeast Regional Director of Celebrate Recovery, and uh, having a great conversation around the reality check and breaking the effects of denial. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation. Stick with us. So you have established a foundation through the proven and effective seven keys to the online training. And now you're ready to build on that foundation through the in-person advanced training conference. Whether you're just starting or you've been in it a while, we have a place for you. Go to crconferences.com and find a way to invest in you and your leaders to grow the ministry and your leaders. crconferences.com for more information. Welcome back. We're talking with Sheila, the Northeast uh, Regional Director. And uh, Sheila, before we went to break, we're just talking about, um, you know, just that that reality of it works until it doesn't. And 
and you began to work these these principles and these uh, these steps and and through the process of celebrate recovery. As you began growing through this process, you know you're taking a moral inventory, and and this is so important that sometimes when we come into recovery, a big portion is as a result of what other people did to us, and we need to be honest about that. And what a great freeing thing to be able to say what they did, I am not responsible for. I'm not guilty. Um, but then being able to take responsibility, what part do I have in this? And I'm curious, uh, you know, you kind of touched on it. Is was codependency kind of the root of that where you just own that, uh, I've got to take responsibility for how I became codependent in owning and taking on all of his stuff but is there any other things that you took on as you walk through that inventory process uh, that you'd feel comfortable sharing here? Um, what you, um, mean, meaning what? what some things that you learned about yourself. Like, yeah. You know, some of the, your tendencies, you know, so, you know, we kind of in, we get into those character defects that we develop, you know, through the process. I'm just kind of curious and there may not be anything there. I'm just kind of curious just for our listeners that as we're trying to own, um, it's not, I'm not responsible for what they did, but now I got to own some things that may have been birthed out of that hurt. Uh, for me, example, coming out of abusive relationships, right? With stepfathers, not my fault that they abused me. But the way I dealt with my pain was my responsibility. And so I had to kind of own that and make amends to people that I hurt as a result of the way I dealt with the hurt that was done to me by other people. And I just wondered, is there anything that you learned yeah. in that process? Um, just basic. Well, I'm just trying to think. I wasn't headed in that direction. Um, I think just... Um, I had a lot of anger, I think, um, mm. just, um, yeah, a lot of anger and it came out in different ways. I also isolated, um, um, a lot mm. and, uh, did, I didn't trust. Yeah. I mean, I just remember, you know, thinking when I got into other relationships, I didn't trust people, mm. um, because I was so, um, Guarded. You know, I was just floored by it. Yeah, I was guarded. Yeah. yeah. And it makes sense. So trust was a big one. Um, yeah, that would make and sense. And it was hard. And some of the things, you know, with my children, I had two children that I, you know, had to raise. And so I feel like I lost out on a lot of that because I was so focused on the loss for a lot mm. of years. It was hard. Grieving. You know, to grieving it. Yeah, yeah. that's a good, that's a good point. Yeah. So, absolutely. Yeah. That's shattered dreams, right? I mean, sometimes when we think about loss, hopelessness, there's always grief and loss and hopelessness. And, and that, you know, just the loss uh, is kind of connected with shattered dreams. What I thought was, you, you mentioned your vows, I was committed and this didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. And that, that dream that I had was shattered. Having right. to process that, yeah. Well, for sure. Yeah. So forgiveness feels like a weighty one for you that you probably had to work through. And I may be wrong on that, mm -hmm. but it just feels like that would be a, a big one. I know it was for me when people I think about hurt me. How did forgiveness and amends, how was that instrumental in you kind of restoring yourself to sanity? 
in that space. Mm-hmm. What, what did that look like for you? Was that hard? Um, well, I mean, there were several people in my life I had to forgive. And of course, it was a process. Um, but and it took time. And I just remember one of the things that struck me was in the teachings of Rick Warren uh, in, in the um, Life's Healing Choices was that he said that anytime that person comes up and you just get this, uh, you know, in mm. your in your spirit and in your, you know, that you just say, I choose to forgive. Mm. And so that's really what I did, you know, as time went on. And I mean, it was honestly, I'll say it was a few years, but. Um, It took me to do that until, and I just continued to do that until when I thought of him or thought of the others who had hurt me, it just wasn't there anymore. Yeah. You know, I was able to, yeah. Yeah. It's good. You know, and this is, this is kind of a personal preference, but when you talk about forgiveness, yeah, it is a choice, isn't it? You know, it's an act of obedience. And I think sometimes we, we can almost shame ourselves because the healing and forgiveness are really two different things. Forgiveness is a choice. The healing takes time, right? right. So I, I forgive them, but now let's talk about the pain. When they did this, it affected me this way. And the healing takes time. And it, like you said, it takes years sometimes, but the point is, it sounds like you stayed the course on really leaning into that pain through the step study process to really organize that pain and ultimately bring some some healing for you, right? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yes. that's I love yeah. that. Well, I'm grateful that you did that, um, just knowing how God's using you today. How has, how has your, and this is something we say in Celebrate Recovery, God never wastes a hurt. And that that can be kind of upside down thinking uh, if you've never been a part of that process, but how is God now using Sheila and not wasting some really, really deep hurt from your past? How's he using that? Um, well, just in the ministry itself. And I mean, just daily, um, you know, there's people that I'm able to mentor and talk with other women, um, just yesterday at church, um, there was a lady, we're getting ready to start life's healing choices. And, um, um, I went out to the, the connection center to, um, be there in case anyone had any questions and just out of the blue, you know, she says, Oh, I'm so glad you're doing this. And, um, you know, and she said, and I have this and this and this and this and this, and I could just take her and look her in the eye and say, you are not alone. Mm. And I was able to share her with her everything that I had been through in my life and that, you know, and mm. to say, God, God never wastes a hurt and he can have, you, you know, there's hope for you. And that can be your coming, your greatest ministry, because that's what it's become for me. Yeah, I love that. What, what a gift to be able to look someone in the eye and say, me too. I get it. Yeah, I may not know your circumstances exactly, but I have an idea because we all know what pain is, don't we? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard you say this, Sheila, but just kind of those first three principles, if you were to summarize that, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot, but what, what would you summarize? That's okay. What would the first three principles, what would be the, the word that you would associate with those first three principles of Celebrate Recovery if you were... Telling somebody that's never heard about them. 
Um, one, realize I'm not God, so that means I can't do this, right? Yeah, right. Uh, number two is there is a God who can restore me to sanity, which he did. Mm. Um, so he can. And uh, the third one is I not only have to turn my life over to him, but also turn my will over to him daily. Mm. So in other words, I have to surrender it. I have to let him do it because I am powerless. I tried to do it on my own and I failed miserably. Yeah. And I've heard you say that I can't, he can, and I have to let him. Right. That's, mm-hmm. I love yes. that. And that's exactly what you're saying. Um, mm-hmm. so, such a beautiful hard way, but, but that word acceptance, right. Accepting that there is a God and I'm not it accepting that my life is unmanageable, mm-hmm. accepting that he has the power, accepting that I really do matter to him and accepting that it's mm-hmm. time to turn my life and my will over to him. And those deal. three steps, yeah, and and those three steps I use a lot for anything that comes up in my life that mm. um, if I'm trying to control it, if things aren't going well, I have to stop and say, okay, what are you doing? You're, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You're yeah. trying to be God, and you're not. And mm. um, so, but through that, those, those, those three principles, and the rest are important. I'm not saying they're not, but sure. those three is what gave me life it gave my gave me a life that i hadn't had before mm, I uh, love that. you know for the first time peace i could have peace i could have serenity joy you know what i mean all those fruits that for years was missing in my life yeah i love that well and i love you know again just to reiterate that the principle eight how you're yielding to god to be used to bring this good news to others, both by your words and by your example. Just like that lady saying, looking her in the eye and saying, hey, I see your pain and you're not alone. What a great gift. So with that, Sheila, somebody's listening that's struggling right now and they know their life is is a mess, um, but maybe they haven't come to that place of really being able to see and lean into what's causing havoc. What would you say to someone that's struggling right now to bring some encouragement uh, considering jumping into this process? Yeah. I don't I don't care what has happened to you, what you've been through. Um, there is hope for you. Mm. There is hope. There's nothing too bad, too deep, too low, anything that you've done or has been done to you. Um, there is hope for you as well. Mm, I love I've that. been there. Well said. Yeah, I love that. Well, Sheila, thank you so much. I love your heart. I love your wisdom. Um, I got some good nuggets out of this, and I know our listeners did. I just appreciate you, and thanks for all that you do in the Northeast. Some of the finest reps in the country, right? Oh, uh, the best reps in the country. <laughs> well, I was trying to be careful. There's maybe other I know. <laughs> I know there's other yeah. reps. They're all no, good. No, they're all great. Yeah, no, I, I love, have to brag on mine. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to hugging some necks. Um, oh. uh, so, well, thank you for making time. And I know you blessed our listeners. And God bless you, sister. We love you. Yeah, thank you. Love you too. Bye-bye. Well, if you're just jumping in, maybe this is the first time you've been a part of this process. 
I just want you to hear those words uh, that, that Sheila gave, that you're not alone, that you are not designed to face this on your own power. And there's resources. Uh, maybe you're ready to, to experience that, that healing and uh, life that Jesus uh, died to give us. If you'd like to join us on this road to recovery, go to CelebrateRecovery.com forward slash CR groups. And you can literally type in a zip code and find a group near you. We hope you'll join us on this beautiful path we call recovery. Hey, thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us next time. Until then, God bless.